Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael Kilpatrick with another episode of the Thriving Farmer podcast. So today I have Beth and Lex who moved to their 12.5 acre property about an hour north of Toronto 16 years ago with the goal of raising their three kids in a rural setting and growing some food for themselves as well as dabbling in some cut flower production on farm dog boarding. Now they are farming in their fifth year of farming. They all three kids are fully involved in the business and Providence Hill Farm grows salad greens, market vegetables, microgreens, edible flowers, and cut flowers using all natural regenerative farming techniques, focusing on low no-till methods, heavy compost techniques, and uh, the use of 13 caterpillar tunnels for season extension. They firmly believe that the key to a successful family-run farm is to continue to evolve and adapt the strategies for running the operation to match the current life stages, needs, and personalities of the people who are involved in the day-to-day running of the farm. Welcome to the podcast. Hey there. Hi, Hi Michael. Nice hey. to be here. Yes. Thanks so much for hanging out. I've actually been to your farm a couple of times, so it's, it's always great to catch up. So, all right. Tell us five years ago, what was going on in your mind when you said we want to start selling what we've been doing on the side? Yeah. So we were gardening at the time, uh, building raised beds. I think we got up to like 35 raised beds and never seeming to have enough. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, we just found that we had a lot of produce. Well, we, and we were thinking, what are we going to do with all of this? So, hey, what about you know, selling it off? So that's how we started. Basically, we started to, to open up other fields or parts of our fields and, um, and got into a couple markets. And yeah, and here we are today. So all right. the bed, raised bed production is, has been limited, but uh, we've moved out into the, you know, into the fields, into cat tunnels. Uh, and uh, and really change just what we're doing and how we do it. And there was a big pause too between the raised beds and actually marketing because once we decided that we wanted to go to market, we sort of had that, oh my goodness, realization of we're not really ready for that. Um, the more research we started to do, the more we realized there's some basic infrastructure that probably is best put in place before you decide to go to market. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's up. So we kind of had that transitional time where, you know, we, at one point thought, okay, yeah, let's go for it. Let's go for markets. And then we pulled back and didn't do it that year. So we put the extra year of pause in to build, which was a good thing, I think. Yeah. So what would you say that basic infrastructure that you went and had and put in at that point? Well, wash and pack for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we also expanded the area for our starts. Um, that kind of thing. Irrigation, of course. And um, a cold room. Cold room. That yeah. was key yes. for us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then after the cold room, we started to add tunnels. Yeah. I mean, the the cooler was literally the first thing that second thing that we built. And I I mean it we use I mean now we even use it for the overflow of our kitchen uh, fridge. <laughs> Especially exactly. at Christmas and Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about um, the farmer's markets. The farmer's markets, I think, has been the main source of your sales. Let's talk a little bit about how you kind of started uh, thinking about farmer's markets, because you thought about farmer's markets a little differently than most people do. Um, Yeah, well, we, um, 
I'm not sure if we started thinking differently than most people do, but we really weren't sure what was available in our area. So we started kind of um, just applying to the smaller towns around us. We were about an hour north of the city, out of, of Toronto. So we had the option of looking into markets in the city, but really didn't want to go that route. It's a lot of commuting. It's sort of a big, uh, it's, it's much more competitive. So we started looking at the markets that are closer to us, um, applied to a bunch of them, got into our um, first choices right off the bat in the first year. And I think it was because we were specializing in greens and microgreens and maybe sort of seemed a little bit more like a boutique. So we got lucky. And I think we only realized later that we got lucky getting those spots in the markets because yeah. they were pretty prime market small, but mm -hmm. very good for us. Actually, actually, initially coming out of the raised beds, uh, we were just going to sell the, or, or we were going to try to sell the excess to restaurants, local restaurants. So that would have been our salad greens and our micros. And one of our kids said to us, you know what, I might want to get involved and, and you know, try and earn some money here as well. At which point we said, well, then we're going to have to ramp this up a little bit more so that we can generate a little bit more revenue. And that's how we got onto the idea of going to farmer's markets. And, uh, but then circumstances changed and he didn't get involved. And so Beth and I just went to the markets and, um, and did, yeah, did well. It was good and uh, continues to do very well for and us. And I think we realized that even though at the beginning when we were sort of you know, brainstorming how we were going to sell, um, we thought the restaurant business might be a, a, just an easier fit for us just because it was a bit more flexible or we thought than yeah. the market thing, you know, it would be on our time. We would have these individual relationships. Now, knowing what we do, I think that would have been the opposite. I think that restaurant contracts are great if you can get them. Um, a lot of farms thrive on them, but it maybe doesn't suit our personalities in terms of the higher pressure, the sort of needing what you need right now. Yeah. Um, whereas with the market... You grow what you grow, and the worst thing that can happen is, you know, you end up not having carrots that week. Yeah, and I think the two thing with how you've built your farm, you've also built with a, as you said earlier, a boutique feel. So you want the highest price for what you can get for things, and grow small amounts of a wide variety, and constantly be changing and trying new things. And with restaurants, um, well, yes and no, that does work for them because in one aspect you have some very small chefs like the wine bars and uh, that kind of thing, which are, that's cool. But if you're going to actually make money with chefs, you need to be just cranking out production and yeah. that's not your style. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that production because when you started, um, you kind of started the smaller, you added a bunch of beds, you added a lot of compost and then you started adding tunnels and now you're up to 13 tunnels. So talk to us about that. Right. So we initially decided um, that we were going to get into the greens business. You know, yep. Uh, microgreens, salad greens, arugula, spinach, and so on and so forth. Basically using the, the new tools, the harvester, the greens harvester, um, the jank seeder, and that sort of thing. The things you see on, you yeah. know, we're basically, we're basically YouTube trained farmers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know everybody hates me for saying that, but we are. Um, so that's the way we're going to go down. Um, and um, what we found very quickly well, quickly, meaning a year or so later, was that uh, maybe that's not exactly the space we wanted to be in because our customers really were telling us, hey, you know, we like some of these other products you're bringing and we continue to sell them out. And we didn't have a great, we didn't have a great cycle of, of those products. So things like beets, carrots, uh, now potatoes, things like mm -hmm. that. 
but what we're finding is that's what people really want. We might sell a few bags of, um, of spinach, but we'll sell a ton of onions or a ton of potatoes or things like that. And so, lettuce, always. Well, always lettuce, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we kind of shifted off from the sort of the, the, the greens production, not entirely, but to the point where it wasn't our main focus. And our main focus now, I would say, are the staples that people really you know, use on a regular basis and um, are very happy to buy you know, organic produce. We're not certified, but you know, it's perceived as, as what it is. Um, regenerative farming, as we call it here. Um, and uh, they're very happy with it. And it helps us because it helps us to, to streamline that operation now. So I got some implements for the tractor for the potatoes. Uh, so we're going to expand that quite a bit this year and uh, converted one of the tunnels to be strictly carrots. We are where we have hair, uh, very heavy clay. Yes. So we added a, um, I think it's 20 tons, like a truck load, dump truck load of uh, triple mix soil. So we raised the soil up by about eight inches in the tunnel. Oh, wow. So, uh, you know, nice lush soil, easy to, easy for the carrots to penetrate and hopefully we'll get straight carrots this year. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. And as far as, the tu- as far as the tunnel thing goes, we, we bought three originally and then bought another five and bought some more after that. And really that's really a function of everything that grew in the tunnels was way better. Yeah. And not to mention of course the season extension, but just the quality was just superb compared to some of the stuff outside. And so that prompted uh, us to keep expanding that. We're using Farmer's Friends tunnels and uh, we have a good relationship with them. They helped us. We had four of our tunnels got damaged in a very heavy windstorm here just a couple months ago. So they helped us to, to rebuild those. And uh, yeah, so it's been really good. Awesome. Yeah. And, and I know the other thing too is with your salad mixes, you do some really cool things with your salad mixes. So talk a little bit about that, Beth. Yeah. Um, so when we started out, we decided to um, jump right into microgreens as well as the uh, salad greens. And so I, I sort of dabbled in a bunch of the different ones, but we ended up um, doing sort of the three big main staples because it was an add-on. So we do like the, the sunflowers, we do the pea shoots, we do the radishes and a few other things. But uh, what I realized is I wasn't seeing a lot of salad mixes at market that had those already incorporated in. So we sell them on their own, but then I started to put wow. together some uh, some mixed salads that uh, were sort of like a, a specialty higher end salad. And uh, and then I started adding the uh, edible flowers. So at first I didn't have very many of them, but I just used what I had. So I had some pea blossoms uh, that I was throwing in and some uh, nasturtiums and just sort of the basic things. And then over the few years, I've kind of added to the edible flower regime. So I have quite a few different blends that I do now and I package them in specialty packaging with really nice labels. Um, and people love them. They, uh, they basically sell out every time I bring them. So now we're at the point where I have probably five or six different, at least, I mean, it's seasonal, um, but yeah. different blends that I can mix up and depending on what flowers I have, I can make them uh, really, really unique. Um, we even have one that we do usually around Thanksgiving that we do with uh, walnuts and cranberries in it, mm. um, which looks really pretty too. So yeah, people have really responded to those. So I want to point that out because, you know, something out there is like, people are like, well, you know, everyone's got salad mix. I just, I can't grow salad mix too. And I mean, whether you meant to do this or not, you basically created yourself. I mean, in the, in the marketing world, they call it a blue ocean where you basically created yourself a brand new, um, you know, just product. So it, you know, it doesn't compare to anything else out there. You know, the, the unique packaging you've gotten and people can go to your Facebook page and see the unique packaging you've got. It's just so different. 
mm-hmm. that it's just, it's created its own little, now it's its own little niche. Yeah. And people are asking for it before it happens. I mean, we'll get requests early in the spring before the flowers are ready or before, you know, I'm ready to put them together, which is a great sign, right? Yeah. And I have some people who will buy two or three of them a week. I mean, they come and they take them as hostess gifts. Um, they are, uh, one woman comes every week, she buys probably three and she's single and she just keeps them in a fridge because she wants a small salad, but she wants something beautiful. And so, you know, that's her way of, you know, just uh, buying something nice for herself. So it's been interesting. And, you know, we, we do charge more for those, of course, and uh, it's not a problem. People are willing to pay. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about schedule, because one of the things that when you started your farm, you're like, we want to farm on our terms. We don't want the, you know, get up at the crack of dawn and, you know, be working all day, every day. So talk to us a little bit about that. Um, yeah, I did ask that. Um, so yeah, we do want to do it. We do do it on our own terms. So to preface that whole thing is farming is not our primary income. However, we do have a, an income goal for the farm. Yes. Which basically is to carry our entire farmstead, homestead, farmstead financially and, um, you know, and, and like that. So we have a slightly different approach and a slightly different goal mindset than perhaps farmers who have to, you know, 100% make a living at it. Um, so we are not morning people. Let's start there. Uh, it takes a, you know, and we're a little bit, we're older. I'm 60 years old. Um, so it takes a little bit of, you know, of time in the morning to, to rev up our engines and, and uh, whatnot. That being said, though, in the summer when we do need to get up or when the weather is yeah. a factor, I mean, we certainly are, are okay with getting up early, but when we have the flexibility of our own schedules, we tend to uh, just have a different pattern. So we just allowed ourselves to uh, to adapt that and, and to work with that. And uh, and like like I said, because, you know, like I feel like we're this is a second thing in life for us. It's not, you know, we're not in our 20s or 30s trying to build a career right from the start. So we did this partly because we loved it. And uh, we thought, well, if we're going to take this on, then we need to do it in a way that makes us happy. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like I said, it does not need to be our primary source of income, although it has certainly been uh, a key addition to our income. And uh, it's you know, been really useful for that. But uh, you know, we've done our years of early mornings with our kids and all of that. So we try to make this you know, um, set set it so that it, it suits our particular um, personalities and work yeah. schedules. And it, it works really well for us. So there are a couple of key components to that. One is um, the size of the farm. We do have about an acre that we're farming now uh, or just underneath, just under an acre. Um, so we made a, a decision last year that we were going to cap the size of the farm and we were not going to expand beyond that um, because that, would just bring on a host of problems that we didn't want to deal with. That would have full, full on thrown us into a, a full-time, you know, situation with, with lots of headaches uh, because we'd have to hire from outside and so on and so forth. We also, this is a family farm, so we do leverage uh, the young people in this household. They're all adults, but they're all involved to some extent. Mm. Uh, one of them works full-time on, on the farm. The other ones uh, contribute differently. They're all at the market. And that sort of thing. So it really does help uh, us as far as uh, from the labor uh, perspective. So we do leverage the the young bodies for labor. So that kind of takes a takes a lot of the pressure off of us. Um, I've got a couple hip issues now that slowing me down a little bit until I get that all fixed up. So that really that's kind of where we capped it 
what we're doing now is rather than growing laterally, we're growing vertically. So mm -hmm. we've built out some new grow rooms, we're introducing mushrooms, for instance, we're introducing other product lines that, um, that we can just insert into our customer base to, to increase revenues rather than looking for more customers, which we are anyway, but yeah, but you know, if a customer spends $20 with us, we're going to provide an opportunity for them to spend $40 or $60 with us. Okay. Um, yeah. I think the other key thing for us too, is that we've really leveraged what the strengths of each member of the family are. So, you know, we've, we've been able to divide the labor in such a way that we're all doing the things that A, we're good at and B, make us happy. So, you know, at the beginning when it was mostly the two of us, um, Lex was doing a lot of the, the physical labor. Um, I mean, I was certainly out there doing planting and stuff, but I was able to develop the, you know, the value added products. Uh -huh. I was able to do a lot of the marketing, um, spend more time at market. And that really suited us. And now that the kids are really on board too, I mean, we have, our, you know, our youngest is uh, in school full-time right now um, and working, living here full-time and working for us full-time. And uh, we've now made him our market, our, our farm manager, um, so that he is this year going to take on a lot more responsibility in terms of the, the actual running of the farm. So yeah. that's helpful. Our middle son is uh, living with us as well here and uh, he has a landscaping business. So he's not available full-time to help us out, but he does a lot of work on the property and a lot of time at market. So what we've done is made him the market manager. So it's his responsibility now to make sure that we have enough labor going to uh -huh. the market. And we have this, this past season, we cut down to one market. We were doing two and we cut it down to one. Um, so, you know, it's not as hard to manage the scheduling, but we do have a double booth there now. And we're really busy, especially this year with the lineups with COVID, it, it uh, really changed the flow of traffic. Yeah. So we need three people there every single week. So that's on him to figure out, you know, between our family and one or two other people we trust um, how that works. Our daughter, um, comes to market she's uh, she's raising a, a small child so she doesn't have a lot of time although she'll be working part-time with us this year on the farm doing some farm labor as well so all three kids are involved but they're all doing the things that really suit them and that their strengths are and i we don't know what the future will be for them but you know we're sort of leaving room for them to to move in and, and carry the farm so that will also determine how big you know interestingly the the one market that we were at um outsold the two markets that we were at the year before yeah you know so that was all you know that was all basically covid driven and and everything else so we couldn't keep up basically in some parts yeah you know, some parts of the season we couldn't keep up with certain products uh, because we didn't anticipate that kind of demand so yeah mm -hmm. that's interesting so now we're going to be driving a lot of business or our business development will be driving business here to the farm um, and so we're building out a store. It's going to have a lot of different products. We're, we're making deals with affiliate farmers, um, grass-fed beef, fish, uh, things like that. Wild rice. Wild rice, grains, uh, different things. And then crafts people as well, you know, soaps and whatever. How many square feet will the actual retail space be in that store? The, the retail space is a, it's an L-shaped space, open concept. Yep. Um, it's 750 square feet. Oh, wow. That's big. Yeah. That's it nice. will incorporate, uh, part of it will be, uh, the kitchen setup. Okay. Which we, which we want to have a, be a certified kitchen also easily convertible to a workshop space. So if we want to do how to workshops in the future, uh, you know, we'd be able to fill it, fit in 10, 12 people, no problem. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're fighting with uh, the city aspect of, um, so we're going to cap it, I think, at like 396 because okay. 400 feet is the magic number in our town. Ah, okay. So that is, you know, that kind of, we are having a, a rather large porch, which we're not not going to be able to have to count that we could, you know, obviously, if, you know, during the seasonality side, we can push stuff out there and transplants out there and all that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that's having, I, I just, I'm looking at that space now and seeing all the things I want to put in. Like, this is just not, I know I'm going to be outgrowing it from this time we move in. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's what happened with our first building that we renovated. Uh, it's a two-story building. It was um, one of the original buildings on the property. Uh, it's built in the style of the old barn. And that was, I think, 16 by 20 on two okay. different levels. And that was our, our, you know, our, our room for seedlings. And downstairs was uh, wash and pack. And, uh, you know, and we've outgrown that very quickly. So we're, we're expanding. So, you know, we have two uh tunnels that that function as um propagation houses and um one for the farm one for the store yep and uh yeah so we'll see how it goes this year we're looking forward to it i think we're going to have a pretty good response based on what we're seeing initially already this 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 year so yeah we're lucky to have um our property already had existing outbuildings on it it's a very old farm property um, so we were able to build our store inside one of those buildings without having to do a new build. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So talk to me a little bit. So like, what's the schedule going to be? Are people, is it going to be five days, seven days a week? Or what are the hours going to be? Or no. you haven't figured that out yet? We're, well, that's kind of our winter. Like right now, we're kind of right in the middle of strategizing what we're going to do. So what we're thinking about doing is actually, we haven't talked with you about this yet, but adding a CSA component to our yep. farm mm -hmm. as well. Um, so what we want to do is um, have a, a market style point system CSA. Okay. And uh, so sell the points at the beginning of the year and people sort of need to use them up within the month. Um, so if we do that, what we'd like to do is have the store open on Thursdays for them um, so that they have first crack at everything that we grow. Um, gotcha. They, yeah. So they could come on Friday or Saturday as well, but we'll encourage them to come when the selection is the best. So ah, I like from, that. Yeah. So that's sort of how we're playing that. And it would be so Thursday afternoon into early evening so that we still have Thursday to set it up. Um, yep. You know, that comes our goal for um, having everything ready. Then the Friday we would have the store open. We haven't figured out exactly what our hours are going to be yet, but um, pro yeah, probably the same, probably the same kind of thing. I mean, three to seven, we're thinking something like that. Yeah. For people to hit after work or, or whatever. Yep. Um, and then Saturday we're, we're juggling because, you know, we only have, you know, uh, not a huge labor pool. So to have the, the farmer's market and the store running at the same time is challenging. So we're kind of, one of the reasons we did give the market management position to our son is because we're thinking if the kids go to market, um, they do the setup, one or both of us could then fly in, put in a few hours at market during the peak time, um, yeah. and then get back home again in time to open the store up for several hours. And then the kids can handle the tear down at market. So we're kind of playing with that idea. And then yes. Sundays, we're hoping to be closed on Sundays. We really found that over the last year and a half, we've in, implemented the one day of rest and mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's pretty key for us. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, it's family, family day is Sunday for us. Exactly. So yeah, we just, it's, it's the kids, um, it's, we get, the kids get to pick what we do that day. <laughs> so. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah. You have to. It's very important to do that. I know that, you know, people need get caught up. And, yeah, you know, needing to work seven days a week or thinking they need to work seven days a week, which yeah. really in the long term is detrimental. 
Yeah. Oh I mean, yeah. So you have we don't to even, water and you have to feed livestock, but other than that, yeah, you don't like. Yeah. yeah. But we have a policy now that this this past year we implemented is like we do absolutely nothing. We do not pick up a vacuum cleaner or anything like that. We don't. If we don't have to cook, we don't cook. We literally just just. We sit on the porch. Veg out. We put music on. And, and it just yeah. really really helps to recharge your batteries. You yeah. Know? Oh, another thing too on Sunday is just a social media fast, you know, just getting out of the, the craziness that's that goes on online too. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you just Monday morning. And I mean, I, I think, so we actually tend to Sunday night, we tend to, my wife and I make the plan for the week, just kind of like go over what's going on. And so we will do that Sunday evening, but it's, we're still not, you know, doing email or anything like that. It's more right. of like, what are the big themes for this week coming up that we need to think about? Um, yeah. So it's like yeah. a chit chat, you know, something yeah. you, you can yeah. sit down in the living room rather than a formal meeting. Exactly. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So let's talk a little bit about, because one of the things too, that you're really focused in on the numbers. So talk to us a little bit about that. Because one of the things you said earlier that I kind of wanted to circle back to is you said, we want to be able to take our existing customers and turn it from a 20 to a $40 transaction, not go find brand new customers. And obviously, yes, you're always finding brand new customers, but you want to increase the average value to every single customer. Right. So now we've kind of, we have um, mapped out our customer base and our marketing avenues. We, we now have three different marketing avenues that we're looking at. One is the market, the farmer's yep. market. That's the obvious one. We're well known there. And so customers come, they buy what we have. The more we have, the more they buy. That's pretty, that's pretty key to understand there, but we're continually uh, putting in new product lines um, and testing to see whether they catch on with that customer base or not. The, the beauty of that customer base is that they do talk, they don't mind spending the money and they and they're uh, able to spend it, you know at the top of the, the scale there so the, the second avenue there in so the market is about a half an hour away from us we call that the second band of towns uh, we had the first band band of towns is about 10 minutes away and then these guys are about 30 minutes away okay so we've we're also now proposing to them we started last year to have a membership program where we you know for for just a cheap 95 dollars they can pre-order online we would bring it to the market already pre-packaged they get 10 percent off for the entire season for all the stuff they just swing by pick it up we find that that works really well because they they tend to spend more online um where they might not buy everything Although if they, uh, do, booth, if they do show up at market, they still get their 10%, obviously. Yeah. Like they're, they're a member for the whole season, regardless of how they show up. Yeah, so yeah. I think they will buy more online to have us bring it to market. Mm. To, 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 you know, so they don't have to stand in line and take away. The other thing is, of course, if they buy from us online, they're not buying the same product, maybe from one or two booths down. Yep. So right. another advantage, yeah, another advantage of the online is they don't have to carry all that to their car through the, the busy market. Right. They can and, do the market, walk around, yeah. come pick it up, and off they go, right? Yeah, and they, you know, obviously it's the convenience of their own home. They can see everything. So, and sometimes in a massive stall, I mean, we had this in our stall. We were uh, 18 feet by 30 feet. So, I mean, we had like yeah. 60, nice. 60 feet of vegetables. I mean, that was a lot to get around. So, yeah. you know, if it was a busy stand, you couldn't see it all. So, that's another advantage of being online is just so they can like just leisurely scroll through everything while they sip their coffee and order as they go. So, right. Yeah. So, so we're noticing that the order sizes, uh, both at the market and online are larger 
now because of what we're implementing or the way we've implemented it. Uh, so that's one way that we're increasing the numbers there. So, so that's working out pretty well. The, the new thing that we're doing is we're starting at the CSA, but the CSA is, is like Beth said, it's a market style CSA, which really yeah. is really meant to force the customer to come to the store because our store has a lot of other products that are not part of the CSA. Okay. So that's interesting because one of the, th so you're saying only our products are part of the CSA, but you can buy all the other ones while you're there. Yeah, right. So our affiliate, but we don't deliver and we don't do a box yeah. program with the CSA. Right. So people yeah. who want something brought, and we're not doing home deliveries this year. I think we're going to try to hold to that because it was a little bit tricky last year to kind of have yeah. enough labor to do that. Um, but uh, for the, the people who do want to have a preset box, you know, something that they order online brought to market um, we've got a few other locations that we can drop them at. So they get that 10% off, but our, our members who are actually coming to, to shop at the market style CSA that we're doing on our, our farm, will have a much larger, um, discount. First of all, 20%. Yeah. Yeah. 20% okay. Discount. Um, but we're not having to pack boxes for them and they're not pre-ordering online. So they're coming, showing up physically and, you know, we'll have to be screening as we're selling the different memberships. So people understand what they're buying exactly, exactly. and making sure that it's a good fit for them. But for people who will come to our location and load up, um, they'll have, like we said, first crack at everything, probably a larger selection than anyone else, because if it sells out there, then it doesn't go to market or it doesn't go to our second tier members. It's yeah. just the way it works. But then, yes, we will have the other items in the store um, that we're not including in our point system CSA, just because we don't have the margin necessarily to do that, to give the 20 points on it. Yeah. So that would yeah. be like our, our meat that we bring in from a local farmer here. Um, like we said, we have a um, sustainably um, farmed fish yep. source now. So we're bringing in probably, well, certainly trout, but there's a couple of other types that we could bring in, which is new. Um, what else? Wild rice. Oh, the wild rice. Yeah. I just ordered that from uh, Northern Ontario. Yeah. So I've got a big 50 pound bag of that coming in that we'll package up and be selling. So things like that. Um, won't necessarily be included, but the cut flowers that we grow, we will include and all the value added things that we create in our kitchen here um, will still be included in the, wow. in the CSA. Yeah. That's going to be really cool. So, so that, that strategy is really aimed at our, what I said before, we have two tiers of uh, two bands of uh, towns. So this is really aimed at the ones that are closer to us, the, the yeah. towns that are 10 minutes away who can drive up here without any problems that campaign is really geared towards them. It doesn't exclude anybody else, but it's just geared to, it's to people who are local. And yeah. that's where we have our work cut out for us this year because um, because our markets were the slightly farther away towns um, and because we were, you know, sort of just winging it a bit when we started, a lot of people in our area still don't know that we're here. We didn't put a sign out. Um, yeah. We were kind of thought maybe purposely to flying under the radar for a while, just, you know, getting our feet wet and trying to, figure out what we wanted to do. We didn't want people driving in our driveway um, unannounced, which started to happen last year, but uh, you know, we're going to have to figure out how to, to manage all of that for sure this year, but this year we're going to have to figure out how we're going to market to the town around or to the several, we'll probably have about four yeah. towns within 10 minutes of us. We're kind of in the middle in a rural area. Yeah. So we're looking at, you know, directed mailings um, in our, on our rural roads here, we still have the old fashioned mailboxes at the end of the driveway. So we can just do a drive around for our yeah. neighbors and throw the flyers in for free. Um, and then all the Facebook. Yeah. 
I mean, for me, the easiest thing, I mean, what we're going to be doing is we'll just be filming like a weekly or twice a weekly video, you know, minute or two, just like, Hey, walking through the store, showing all the cool stuff we've got. And then just basically do a radius on Facebook marketing and just say, I want to reach as many people in, in this area as possible. Right. Um, at least for the beginning, once we start to build up video view audiences, then our marketing chain in our pixel audience, then we change drastically with our, our method right there. But at the beginning, I just want to get who we are, what we have in front of people. Cause I just want to get people talking. Cause once you get the community yeah. talking, then they're going to show up to see what the buzz is about. Well, that's it. Right. And, and, you know, I've been reading a little bit of marketing stuff too. And, and the whole thing about women being the primary consumers in, yep. uh, well, in for anything, but especially for this type of thing. Um, one interesting concept that I found when I was reading was that women's sense of, I don't know if it's power, but they, they take a lot of pleasure from spreading the word. Like that really is sort of a status thing for women to, to do. And uh, I think that that's really key too. As soon as you have people in your community telling other people, yeah, um, that that's when you really take off. And so, you know, we have to just get to that critical number where we have enough people who know we're here. Um, yeah. If they're happy with it, if they like us, if the product is good, and we're pretty confident about that just from our experience at market. Yeah, um, we have really good rapport with our customers, we chit chat with them, um, we know them by name, they know us. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure that we can manage that at the store, and um, probably more so here. And then yeah. you know, be giving people tours. And I think, you know, there is the whole romance of the farm too, right? So the more people come and spend time here yes that will that will become the buzz and we're even considering like we have a back section on our farm that we just um have let go it's just uh, a field yeah and uh, we mow paths through it and we walk but we're thinking about uh you know allowing people who come to shop to have that access as well especially Mm -hmm. you know if the lockdowns continue in our area for any length of time um you know just to let their kids run yeah just yeah. come and spend time. And that was true with our spring plant sales. We, uh, we really opened that up this past spring for the first time. And in our area, uh, the garden centers were still closed. They were considered non-essential. Oh. So we had people driving up from Toronto because we put a targeted Facebook ad out. And, yeah. uh, and they, at first when they got here, it was interesting, you know, the kids were in the backseat of the car locked in and they were just doing their shopping. And we said, well, would you like to let the kids run and pick dandelions? Yeah. And it just lit up. And then, you know, just to have that chance to do that. So I think the more of that kind of rapport you have with your customers, the better it is all, all around for your, your business, right? Yeah. Well, we buy from those we know, like, and trust. Exactly. Yep. And yep. I think, you know, going back to when you asked about, you know, changing a $20 customer to a $40 customer, I think that's really a big part of it. Because every time we add products to our table, we're more likely to have people try them because they already trust us for the products they've had. Yes. So, you know, we've added salad dressings, we've added dried soup mixes that we have uh, developed here. Um, We have, yeah, a number of uh, products like that, that we've added. And our our middle son actually is really getting into uh, cooking these days, really fast Ah. and which is awesome for us. But uh, he is developing some recipes now that I keep thinking, hmm, you know what, we could probably incorporate some new salad dressings or you know, some new mushroom recipes once we get the mushroom room up and running. Yeah. And with a certified kitchen, I think there's a lot more that we can do. And then having refrigerators on site, um, I, I think there's a lot of possibility there to bring people in. Absolutely. So let's say you were to go back uh, to beginning five years ago, would there be anything major that you would change or adjust or do differently? It's always a hard question. I think that we would have 
if we had had the ability to to build larger at the beginning, you know, like we talked about earlier, like our cold room we've outgrown, mm-hmm. it would have been nice to have have made those things bigger, wash and pack. But in in some ways, it's hard to look back and regret that though, because at the time we built what we could with what we had, so it would be hard to change that. I think. If anything, probably just starting earlier. Yeah. <laughs> you know, five or 10 years earlier. However, a lot of technologies weren't available, right? Floating roll covers were, you know, they're on the what, 12 years old or something like that. So, yes. so yeah, I mean, no, I think we, the way we started and the way, the way we kept on adding every year, year after year, now going to our fifth, I don't know. I don't, not really sure if we would have done much differently than, than what it would be small things that we, we had did. done. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, th- I think too, that you've been very intentionally building a low stress aspect into this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I mean, right now we're, I mean, like I'm, I'm always high stress because that's just the way I operate, but um, yeah, there's, there's some sleepless nights as you're trying to figure through this because I'm trying to scale this so fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I'll probably look back in a couple of years and like, be like, why the heck did I do that? But <laughs> unfortunately I'm one of those triple, I'm a, I'm a, a three on the Enneagram and a high D personality. So I want to, you know, I see the vision. I know exactly what I want the 10 year plan to do be like, and I want to hit that in three years. So yeah. that's, that's my problem, yeah. which is yeah. obviously causing, you know, the stress. <laughs> right. Right. So, you know, we built, the reason it has taken, let's say five years instead of one year or two years um, is because we, we did it without debt. Yeah. Okay. So we paid as we played basically. So, you know, some savings, but also, you know, generally money that we earned, we just rolled it right back into the farm. So we were able to build that out. Uh, Sometimes people ask us, well, you're pouring all this money into it. You know, is it worth it? Blah, blah, blah. You're profitable. A lot of the money has, aside from, let's say, the tunnels and a few other things, uh, but a lot of the money was sunk into, um, you know, the buildings and renovating the buildings here, which really is not, even though it's meant for the farm itself, Yeah, it really is, a you know, just a... Um, it's an it investment just, in the property yeah, anyway. Yeah. 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 So that kind of is a bit of a gray area as to who benefits from, from yeah. that. You know, the well, does, you know, the value yeah. of the property does, so... So it's, it's basically, it's, it's increasing your balance sheet. And uh, that's actually something um, that I think a lot of people don't understand is that, and, and the beauty of the, the business is that there's a lot of things that you can increase on the balance sheet, which have repercussions to your personal life. Yes. Um, and absolutely. that's the beautiful thing about running a business is that, and running it, you know, according to the rules and regulations that are out there is that there's so many benefits to you personally from having a business. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is our opinion that, um, you know, inflation is going to rip through pretty hard over the next few years and uh, the devaluation of the currency. So, you know, I mean, if you're good with investments elsewhere, that's all fine. We tend to like to invest in, into our property and yeah. doing that. Uh, so it doesn't scare us to, you know, to roll the cash right back into, into some of these projects to, to, to improve. Uh, the value of the property, of course, the value of the farm itself, from a production standpoint as well. So, uh, so yeah, you're you're hitting that right on the money there. I think it's uh, it's a good time to to improve, you know, your quality of life through, you know, fortifying basically what you already have and making it better and stronger. Yeah. 
Hey, Thriving Farmers, have you checked us out on YouTube lately? We have a bunch of new content there, including a few rants by me. I uh, want to tell you, you don't want to miss them. Um, I actually go rant about you know some of the problems I see in our space and some of the challenges I see farmers uh, facing. So go check that out. We've got instructional videos over there as well. Talk about setting up our new farm here in Ohio and all the steps we're going to do that, as well as just tutorials and tips on best practices for all sorts of things on the farm. So go ahead, check over at Growing Farmers on YouTube and see the new content we put together for you. So you haven't chosen to um, hire outside of your family. I mean, you have a little bit of market help at market, but other than that, you're just keeping that internal. Yeah, that was a very hardcore decision that we had to make last year. And you know what? It uh, If to take on another market we would have to hire on you know at least two people to staff it we would have to hire here on the farm at least part-time if not another full-timer and we all know what what you know plus the vehicles trailers everything else is set up we all know what that entails it, it's a headache right yeah everybody everybody's biggest headache of course is, is labor you know so we don't um we decided we didn't need that kind of stress level and we, we were pretty confident that we could earn the kind of money on this on the one acre that we're doing with all the you know add-on business little ventures that we do or you know the add-on products that we do uh, that we would make enough revenue to to cover everybody's uh, needs and wants. So we pay our kids very well. We're at the top of the pay scale. Um, it's twenty bucks an hour for everybody. Um, you know, and then there's still money left over for to meet our goals, which is basically pay for the whole, you know, pay for the whole homestead, yeah. farmstead. So, and then we do bring yeah. people in. I mean, like you said, we have uh, certainly one person for sure. We bring in when needed for markets if the family's not available. And he's a friend of our, uh, you know, our son. So he does a great job. He, he does yeah. a great job. And then we, we bring people in to help us build. Um, again, we've got friends that we paid to uh, who are very skilled. We paid to help build the store. Um, we know that we could probably find help if we needed it just on a you know, yeah. quality basis. My biggest concern from farming is this. We're running, let's say, at a certain volume of, of farm. And this particularly speaks to the fact that I developed a, a hip issue, which slows me down considerably. But here's the issue. You, if you hire out, and people know this, I, I read this all the time. You hire out, you're running at a certain level, you're sell, selling a certain amount, particularly if you're doing CSA. And all of a sudden, boom, person doesn't show up in the morning. Right. And yep. then all of a sudden you're left scrambling. Well, how am I going to do all this to get ready for market or to be ready for the CSA pickups or deliveries or whatever? And that kind of stress I don't need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. No, I, I totally get that. Um, you know, another thing I, I heard you say right there was um, you hire things out too. And I think that's another thing is some farmers think, well, I'm a farmer, so I do everything on the farm. And I'm like, no you do the only things on the farm that you can do and then you can hire everything out. So like, I think you were saying like some of the renovations that's getting hired out, um, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we had a goal in mind. We wanted to have the store and the facility open by a certain time. There's certain things I haven't done in 30 years when it comes to renos. And you know what? I used to do all my renos around the house, like full basements, everything else, drywall, you name it. But at some point you just go, you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth it breaking my bones to and younger skilled yeah. labor is actually faster and more efficient anyway yeah. so you get what you pay for yeah mm -hmm. 
So it's worth it for us because we're going to be ready. We can start marketing as opposed to missing deadlines. And yeah, sure, it costs some cash, but that cash will return back pretty quickly as far as yeah. we I like that marketing, not missing deadlines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, uh, you know, I had a plan that I was going to be on the farm actually farming for three years and it has been three years. And, you know, oddly enough, uh, this year, I'm not going to be doing a lot of farming. Um, I'll be in business development, which is really what I want to do, which is what I like to do, which is kind yeah. of what I do anyway. And, um, you know, the kids love what they're doing as far as being here on the farm, our our youngest, who's going to be in his third year now farming, we've kind of given the reins over to him. And, you know, it's his responsibility. I mean, I'll still um, oversee what he's doing, but I think he's got uh, enough skill and enough experience to, to be able to carry most of the, you know, most of the project. Um, we've really whittled it down to just really basic routines, right? You, you know, you crop out, you throw on some more, more compost, boom, you've got the next crop going in, whether it's, you know, in open soil or, or you're throwing down uh, some landscape fabric and yeah. into that. Um, you know, so it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, the leaner yeah. the better for us. I mean, we really try to cut out any step that isn't absolutely necessary and see what happens. And uh, it's, that's been really effective. So talk about what are some of the things you have cut out? Well, we cut last year, we cut out the drying racks after we washed the lettuce. That was a big one. That was a big time suck. And uh, that that was really, really noticeable with no discernible difference in the quality of the product. Change the uh, peas, for instance, from bush type varieties, which were really good. I think they're sugar ants I'm referring to, to, um, to the to the vine ones, uh, which one is yep. that? Super sugars or sugar yep. snaps or whatever? Yep, yeah. yep. Uh, big difference. We're going to try okay. that with beans different. this year too. We're switching the type of beans. Um, I think we're going to, to Lafayette. No, Seychelles. 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 We're going to Seychelles. Same thing. Trellis beans as opposed to bush beans. Yeah, and, and Seychelles yeah, like, is completely uh, sold out. <laughs> we got some. We did find some, but we have. <laughs> I will I know, trade you I know some. Johnny doesn't have it, but uh, West Coast Seeds has them, or did have them, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So if people need them, we have them in hand now. So yeah, we yes. have. So that's that's really good. But yeah. Well, it was it was really interesting because I actually had an order placed on a bunch of things with Johnny's, and then literally a couple of days later, they sent me an email and said, "Oh, all those things you ordered off our website, yeah, they kind of went out of stock from when we, you I ordered know. them." Yeah. It's yeah. so hard right now. Well, it's so, the worst it's ever been. I mean, yeah. we ordered before Christmas and I've had a couple of conversations with them. So they sent me the order that, that they were going to fulfill. Half the order was missing. Wow. Like, now, not to say it's out of stock completely, yeah. but back it's going to be backward yeah. by whatever yeah. number of days. Yeah. Or yeah. It's not yeah. And certain things you just can't backorder past a certain date. Like, you know, there was some, um, yeah. like leaks like, Oh yeah, we can't get those to March. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's just not going to work. Exactly. I know. So we, at least we were happy to have the list so that there were a few things that we've scrambled and we're trying to get elsewhere or yeah. we switch varieties. So we, we talked to all of our suppliers, um, you know, recently about all of this and they, most of them, all of them said, you know, October is the best. Really? Get, get everything in, get your orders in by October. We might well, not ship until November or December, but 
you know, get it in that way. You yeah. The, uh, rush. It, it's reserved. So yeah. there's some pluses and minuses to that. I mean, obviously you're so fresh from the previous season, you might not even almost be done it so that you kind of like have a really good grasp. So you don't forget yeah. anything, but it's also the discipline of taking four to six to eight hours and sitting down with your people and saying, okay, what is our plan for the next year? And I mean, in this time, obviously in this, where we are right now with the incredible shortages and just the COVID being all of the staff, their buildings at half capacity, which is the other problem is they just can't pack fast enough. Right. Yeah. They've got to see, they just can't pack it. I, yeah. I think you're right of getting it in, in October. It's one of those things. I think you just got to say, we're going to, even if we miss a market or <laughs> miss getting something done that we really need to, it's, it's important for us to sit down so we can get that seed order in and get that stuff coming. And that, I, that's really hard too if you're changing your strategy, right? Because I mean, yeah. we're starting CSA this year for the first time. Well, how do we know what we need? We haven't sat down yet. And that's what we use our winters for. Yeah. You know, like that time sort of between the holidays or just right, like the early winter, but still like we are used to having that time to formulate yeah. our marketing plans, what decide what we're growing. And now that's not enough. I mean, we ordered earlier than ever this year and it was yeah. still too late. Yeah, I think, I think the thing to do is I'm going to be printing up a master list of all the things that we've planted that yeah. we want to that we want to plant again the following year and literally just you know check it off you know at dinner time or something okay we, we've planted all, all of our you know max packs let's say cucumbers um for pickles we don't have any seed left okay fine we're reordering the same amount or adding a little bit more and then just keep checking it off and i think that doing Ooh, it that way we that's don't really yeah that's really good dinner time conversation yeah <laughs> <laughs> not every dinner but yeah i mean <laughs> You know what? I think I think that way you know you, you eliminate the stress. Yes, yes. Hey, that's and then, actually... and then the freak out, not just the stress, but then the freak out outside. Like, yes, yeah. Oh no, it's not available now. What? Right? Yeah, yeah. It was actually really interesting. I was on the phone with John um, Hendrickson from Small Farmworks the other day, and he was talking about. He's like, I, I was doing this leak. It was really thin, and it was really early. And he's like, it's not available anymore. And I was like, oh, that's Lincoln. He was like, yes. <laughs> and, I, and I mean, I was like, I mean, how many John people in the U.S. or in the world can name an out of stock? For yeah. four or five years, leak. <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how to get them big and thick, you know. Oh well, actually, that's the Megatron was the solution, yeah. and um, they went out of stock. And I actually was able to get the last two thousand that Home Seed. I think it was Holmes had Holmes had 2000 left in stock and I was literally snapped them up a couple of days ago oh, um, I, and they, they promised me they're going to ship them. But um, actually th through, and this is the cool thing about knowing so many people through uh, 20 years or 15 years of being in the Northeast, but I was able to find someone that knew one of the breeders for the company that owns the parent stock. Oh, nice. Yeah. And what they said is it's not necessarily going hundred percent away they said the company is changing its sales strategy. So they are okay. going from a distribution model. And again, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say this, but <laughs> it, it, I, I'm not naming names. I'm just saying what the grapevine is saying, but it still may come back again, because again, it literally was the cream of the cream leak. I don't know anything yeah. that, yeah. It, it, that out competes just in the girth and the length and just how easy it is to produce. Yeah, Howard posted a picture a while back in the fall. Yeah. fall and I'm going like, well, where are you getting? Like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. size of your wrist. Right? Yes. They're, they're just huge and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So, you know, talking about, you know, going forward from here, you know, you, you've been in a business for a couple of years and I'm sure you've seen farmers around you. What do you think the biggest mistake that farmers make is? 
Wow. Doing too much at the beginning, I think, and putting a lot of pressure on themselves to do it one way. Yeah. To me, I would, uh, that's like the biggest thing. Like people are very dogmatic. That's what I was going to say. The dogma I think is, yeah. is probably the, in my mind is the, is the worst thing. For yeah. Sure. I mean, it's wonderful and it's really important to have a, a, a mentor or many mentors or have a source of information that you go to. And it's always a great jumping off point. But I think that uh, the more people stress over having to do it the same way as their mentor, the more they open themselves mm -hmm. up to failure because it may not suit them. And it's not even, I mean, it's, there's so many factors in that, right? There's your personality and that's a really big thing to make sure you match because if you're not a really outgoing um, person, for example, maybe you don't want to go to market. Maybe you do want to market differently and have contracts that you're fulfilling. Um, and if you're, you know, there's, there's all of that, but then there's your climate, there's your soil, there's mm -hmm. the affluence of the area that you're selling in. There's the ethnicity of the area you're selling in. Like what product are they actually interested? Are you growing them what you think they should have, or are they growing them what they would like? So all of those things need to come into play when uh, people are making their plans. And I think with anything in life, as soon as you yeah. become really, really um, limiting on yourself about how you have to do it because someone else did it. I think mm -hmm. that that becomes a problem. And just to elaborate on the dogma part of it, we came up um, thinking that we we're going to be greens farmers, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know what I'm talking about, right? We're, we're yes. talking about the Curtis, Curtis yeah. uh, Stone method of farming certain types of products. And we thought, okay, well, that's exactly what we're going to do. So we got, you know, all the different gear and everything else all set up to do that. We never thought we were going to be potato farmers, first of all. <laughs> okay. Yes. Or onion farmers. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Other than scallions and, you know, maybe something yeah. else. But, it, you know, again, it, it comes right back to, to hang out on the groups over the last few years on the, on the Facebook groups and, you know, just watching what's going on and seeing what seems to be working for people. And oddly enough, I'm going to have to drop the same name. A couple of years ago, uh, it was Howard who, who, you know, he does tons of onions. Yes. And I'm like, so what? And I think he was saying like you get like a buck an onion or more or something like yeah. that. And yeah. Going, well, how the heck do you do that? So I thought, you know what? That just might be a thing to do. So we really upped our onion game and 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 rightly so. Yeah. <laughs> so it's working. Yeah. And not, not only just the standard onions, but we're doing now, you know, we're doing tropea onions. We're doing. Oh, yeah. Cheese, those are so tasty. You know, and uh, we're, we're introducing um, some other varieties and people love that stuff yeah. you know and same thing with potatoes you couldn't we couldn't keep enough so yeah got a couple implements we're expanding the potato program that's not where we started you know had we stuck it out with just doing greens and you know maybe banging our heads against the wall because you know the arugula wasn't working for us or whatever um we just kind of no if that's not working, then we're going to move to, to some other product lines that do work for us. Yeah, I mean, some of those greens, we were sure we were going to just go crazy, have a huge salad bar kind of setup. And uh, the flea beetles took care of that idea really quickly, right? Yeah. And the climate. I mean, we get very hot in the summer and those a lot of those greens do not like the heat. So it's things like, like Mizuna that. doesn't work for us no matter what. Couldn't, couldn't yeah. do that if we tried. Yeah. Uh, Tatsoi, none of that worked for us. None of it. Yeah. Know? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. Yes, it to watch, um, you know, some of the, again, and, and I'm not saying this in a negative way and the aspect of this, there's, they're basically doing this with a, with uh, harm in mind that they're showing people these very specific ways that people are going to do it. And that, yes, you, you should only do it this way. But when you're a 40 year veteran farmer, yeah, 
you've learned stuff, you've forgotten stuff that some of these people on YouTube that have only been there for a couple of years have learned. Exactly. Yeah. And that's again, why we focus. Yes. We'll interview some of these brand new farmers, because I think it's very important to um, get some of that, that their, their perspective on this. But when I'm reviewing video, when I'm calling someone about a question, the problem I have, I'm calling Howard because I know Howard's got 40 years of experience and he's got a different perspective on things, obviously in Paul and Sandy and stuff like that. And again, I have a wide range of people I talk to, but you're right. Howard is, he is not one of those two, you know, uh, you know, doesn't have a big YouTube channel or anything, but every single year, his farm consistently makes him a very good income um, sure. from producing vegetables. And He's producing things like winter squash and onions and potatoes that people said, oh, you can never make any money off it. He's one of the only people in Vermont probably making money off hemp. Yeah. 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 And I had a good laugh, uh, you know, on his uh, post about that. Like he's selling Christmas trees yeah. for a hundred bucks, in, you know, <laughs> yes. right. And his crop cycle is one year. Yes. As opposed to seven to 10 years or whatever Christmas tree is. Right. And I'm going, you know, I think he's onto something here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Howard technically usually is. Um, and we will help you to stuff it in your car. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, because you don't want to be driving down the road with that. Stick yeah, so, you know, anybody who's in business for 40, 45 years, obviously is making money, number yeah. one, and, not, and which really means obviously they know what they're doing. They're doing something right. Yeah. So, yeah. And you're not going to argue with them. Yeah. No. And you one of the things they, Howard, they, they yeah. Info, you know, thank them for it and just run with it. Yeah. And then, but, but still adapt it to yourself. Adapt it to yourself. Yes. And so that's the other thing too, as you said, don't take everything hook, line and sinker. Um, yeah. You know, one of the common things too, with the rise of the 30 inch bed system, and I would get a lot of hate mail for saying this too, is look, there's only so much you can mechanicalize there. And that's why we're intentionally going to be at a much larger scale that actually has tractors because I value being 70 and still being able to, um, you know, run and jump and do things with the, with the grandkids at that point exactly. and not, you know, be not be stuck on the deck with worried about, you know, putting my back out again. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so just to that alone is we are in a 30 uh, inch bed system. We are no till, no dig. Yeah. Uh, just throw the compost on top, two to three inches, and keep planting away. And it, you know what? It works for pretty much everything that we do. It works. We're except... really not even broad forking. So no, how are you spreading forking. that compost? So just just want to finish up that uh, thought. Yeah. But how you do that with potatoes? Yeah. So I got a yeah, you know, I got a middle buster and you know a trencher, and I'm yeah. not I'm cutting into the soil. Yeah. You know, I'm not playing the game of you know well, we're you know we're no dig, no till. No, no, I'm digging and I'm tilling. For potatoes, I'm digging and I'm tilling. I have to. How else are you going to yeah. do it? Yeah. So, I, yeah, it's one of those things, too. And maybe in a couple of years, you will develop a system which you don't have to. But for now, you're going to start with what's out there and then you're going to adapt it and keep working it and make it fit to your system. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's uh, all the fun of it, too, going forward is that you do develop new systems and innovations come, you know. But, uh, you know, we're heavy clay, fairly heavy clay. And you got to break through it. So especially with those kinds of crops. So you can not do the crop if you don't want to. If you want to be dogmatic about it and say, well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to till, then okay, don't do the crop then. Or start yeah. burying it with, you know, leaves or compost or whatever. But that, you know, we have a lot of voles and all kinds of critters around here that make a mess of that. So, you know, yeah, yeah. it's okay. It's okay. We're not like, we're not that dogmatic about it that, that it's going to stop us from doing what what works anyway so 
what makes money in the F and that's what makes money and what our customers want, you know? Yeah. They want French fingerling potatoes. Come on. I mean, who doesn't? (laughs) Although that being said, like the the whole thing about, you know, we never thought we'd be potato farmers, but we're still not, you know, commodity farmers, right? We're not doing a boutique farm. It's still boutique. So it's like, okay, well, we need to have the basic, like it's, you obviously you have to have orange carrots. You can't just have your rainbow carrots. But as long as you're giving people what they want with the, the basics, and then you start expanding some of the boutique stuff, it doesn't take very long to figure out what they want. So, you know, like we said, with the boutique onions, I mean, we've got the regular onions as well, because everybody uses onions. Um, but then the, the specialty ones, and the same is true with the potatoes. So we're still really being careful about how we select our expansion yeah. products. So you were going to ask about compost? Yeah. So how are you putting that, that amount of compost on the, are you using just a tractor bucket and then buckets or? Yeah. So yeah, pick it up with a bucket, bring it to the, to the doors of the um, tunnel and scoop it out. Okay. I was, I was thinking last year I was going to buy two large uh, wheelbarrows that have a flat front, like a snub dose. Yep. Yep put them nose to nose and then dump the bucket into that and then just wheel it in. But you know what? It's pretty quick just to scoop it up, scoop it up with five or 10 gallon, uh, five gallon buckets and then just go and just you know, throw it around. Yep. Dump it. And you yeah. have short beds too. So it's not a, a long, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So 25 it's not really feet. worth it. We have one tunnel that's 128 feet and there we're going to drive in with the tractor. So it's, it's got scissor doors, which yeah. I don't, but you know, it works and we're going to just drive in and just dump it. And then just you know spread it around from there. Yeah. What would you say your favorite tool on the farm is? Mm, yeah, I know Beth says I, I just like I don't know. He's gonna ask me that question. I don't know what to say. <laughs> um, paper pot transplanter. Okay. Um, I, you know, unless uh, the tunnels are tools, which they are. Yes, they are. Yeah, the tunnels are, but the paper pot transplanter for us is just night and day that's what really caused that that was the one tool that that sealed the deal for me as mm-hmm. starting farming when i saw that when jm had it and, and curtis or whoever you know when i saw that I go, okay i can do this yeah if, not, if i can make it that easy you know without killing myself then i can do this well, especially with lettuce successions oh, yeah. i mean you're just putting them in so constantly that it's it's an yeah way. yeah well it's any great tools i mean even just uh you know even just silage tarps i mean yeah you know like how, how do you do it how would you want to do it without silage tarps is the big question right yeah and I, I think the thing about the paper pot is it removes one of those monotonous tasks and and yeah. I, as a three as a high achiever i hate the monotonous tasks i mean one of the things when my wife and i got married is i was like um i have like very simple rules but one of the rules was i hate doing dishes Yep. So yes, I will do dishes, you. but you know, if I'm doing dishes, that means that this is a huge sacrifice for me. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. I'll do anything. I will go plow the snow on the driveway and driving sleet, you know, right. that's, yeah, I don't mind that, but just the monotonous stuff, like washing bins is literally my least favorite job on the, the yeah. farm. Yeah, because it's, it's monotonous and actually we're hiring right now for a farm manager um, and someone actually on there, we asked one of the things we asked them to do as replying is like, shoot a two minute video and tell us your least favorite and your most favorite job on the farm. And one person said, yeah, my least favorite is washing bins if I don't have the right podcast playing. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you and I once every week, we can do the bins together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the favorite tool question really speaks to um, 
you know, to what we talked about earlier, which is um, hiring or not hiring, but still yeah. meeting your financial goals. Right? Yes. You can talk all day long if you want about using plastics on a, on a farm. Yep. Yeah. And you can go, you can talk from one side of the mouth to the other side of the mouth and everybody's right. It doesn't, I'm not saying one is right or one is wrong, but if we didn't use silage tarps, for instance, or landscape fabric, I would be hiring another person. Yes. Right? Just for yes. the just for the sheer number of hours that you would need to to weed. Mm -hmm. Right. So how do you so how do you cut out another salary here? Well, you buy a few tarps or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. and, and move them around, and all of a sudden your weed problem becomes a non-issue or a very small issue. You know, I see people posting, I'm overwhelmed with weeds and I can't keep up, and it's you know overrunning my farm, blah blah blah. Well, you know. Yeah, some some areas are weedier than others around the country, but um, <laughs> well, I mean, we should all look at what's going what Ray does in Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee yeah. is like it's like brutal weed pressure. Weed central, right? Yeah, and yeah. his far. I mean, you've seen the videos. It's, it's sure. clean. It's beautifully clean. Right. Right. I wish I could say the same here. I mean, sometimes you miss a section <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but you yes. know, generally speaking, we're on top of it, and we we stay on top of it, and. Uh, and so that would be, you know, that also, so I would say, you know, even that, but so, so in, in culmination of all these tools, you can reduce the number of, of, um, of labor hours yeah. to the, to the point where you can do it on a very small scale, but do very good business. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I still think the million dollars an acre um, is is possible. I've seen you post that. I don't. Yeah, it's it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while. Have to explain yeah. that to me. You know, do a podcast with somebody, or by <laughs> you know, interview yourself and, and tell us all how that would be done. Well, I, I, it's going to take a few years, but I, I think we I think we can pull it off at some point. Again, I think there will be an aspect of you will have to have some sort of microgreen system in there. Um, but I think oh. you could develop a, a small farm, an acre farm that's doing mushrooms. Um, and again, it all and again, there's there's so many different aspects of it. So like if obviously if you're not doing your own, if you're only doing the fruiting of the mushrooms and not the incubation and production of the mushroom blocks, then your mushroom operation instantly becomes one quarter of the size. Yes, that's that's, that, our that's where we're at. Right? Yeah, yeah. It was the same thing. We had, we looked at the whole mushroom thing. I'm saying to Beth, I, you know, I said, you know what? I don't, I can't figure out how we're going to find the time and the energy to to do yeah. a mushroom grow off again without hiring because that falls into my area of work. I do right. a lot of the more sort of hands-on, smaller mm -hmm. scale um, work, like the microgreen. So the mushrooms would have been in my domain, and I already knew that I have you know X number of hours in a week to give, and I'd so. Yeah, so we followed up on your lead to, you know, the, the mushroom uh, outfit here, not too far away from us, that yep. will provide us with the... Um, Ready to fruit blocks. Yeah, with yeah. the blocks. And uh, I said, you know what, that works for us. Whether we Absolutely. have to hire somebody and do it here, or whether we just buy direct from somebody who already knows how to do it. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. And just, and they just put in our fruiting room and away we go. That I can, uh, I can see how that works in our, mm -hmm. in our operation. So those are the kinds of decisions that we make based on, can we do it? Should we do it? Is there enough labor for it? You know, uh, and interest in our marketplace. So that's mm -hmm. how we, basically that's how we do it. Mm -hmm. If it's not making money for us and if it's, and if it's going to be killing us just doing it, then we're not interested. It's like chickens. Like we're, <laughs> yeah, I saw your post by the way. Sorry about your hands there. 
Oh yeah, it's, it was my father-in-law's because actually we don't, again, we can't, technically we're not allowed to have chickens here. We're going to change that. We will, um, we'll okay. do it at some point, yeah. but my father-in-law, I mean, and they're brand new, all brand new pullets and, and that's where yeah. our eggs come from. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, all of them just gone in one so, night from mink. Yeah. So we have the same problem. We have, we do have a mink on the property that we've seen running around chasing rabbits. Um, we have coyotes, which in the past has, yeah. you know, they have decimated our chickens. Uh, but starting a CSA, what is your best leverage of getting people in here? Is eggs. Eggs. Yeah. Eggs is the number even one item. Even if it's a loss leader. You know, yeah. even if it's a loss, you know, yeah. bunch of chickens. I mean, eggs is still the number one thing that will attract a crowd from pretty far away, really. Yeah. You know, so we're very much considering of getting between 50 and 100 birds just to get the egg business going here and bring people here so they can yeah. buy other stuff, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And you can't buy that in. It's not someone local that will sell you enough eggs. Not enough. I don't not think. Enough. Yeah. You know, everybody's limited, people. right? Cause we do have limits. Oh our yeah. You guys, huge, yeah. So, there are egg quotas here. You know, we're under, we're, a pretty, chicken quotas. we're under a big thumb here with uh, eggs. We can't yeah. bring them to the market. Wow. No. So it, you, we can sell them here off our property. They're only, uh, you know, a limited amount. And I think it's, I can't remember what the number of birds is, but uh, it's pretty limited. So, you know, so we're struggling with that notion, um, but you know, it, it is the very best single item that would that would generate business here on farm. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Where can people find out more about you and what's going on up there? Um, well, we do have a website, which is uh, ProvidenceHillFarm.ca, and uh, and then we're on Instagram and Facebook as well. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you both so much for coming on the, the podcast. Really appreciate your time and uh, just always good to catch up and see what's new with you. And I'm um, looking forward to watching you on uh, the social media over the summer and seeing how things grow. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Hey, Thriving Farmers. Next week on the podcast, I am joined by Lisa Manning, who is the host at Harvest Hosts. And Lisa will share all about how farmers can add new sources of income by offering RVers an overnight stay on their farm. So join me next week as Lisa and I discuss all about helping farmers add another source of income. So there you have it. Another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.